0: knows how to play poker. But do you know how to play poker well? well? Get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play. Where to play. And how to play better poker. This is Poker Action Line, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing out there? Another edition of Poker Action Line on the air. As we come to you from our studios here in South Florida. And uh, another guest host in the studio tonight, our good friend Mark Perlman, joins me this evening. Uh, Joe is working uh, out in, I think he's in Kansas right now. uh, Working on the second of two tournaments for the guys from the PPC Aruba Tour. And uh, having a good time out there. I hope he didn't get flooded out in Iowa. I know that... uh, uh, he was in Council Bluffs, which I don't believe is anywhere close to Cedar Rapids or where they're having all kinds of problems. But they are having lots of problems in the Midwest there with flooding and 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 different problems. So I uh, hope everything's okay out there. But Joe is uh, using his skills of uh, running a poker room uh, for many, many years. And uh, Mark has also worked as a floor person there, not as much of a PR guy as uh, Joe is. Joe was kind of a... Backslapper, uh, congratulator, and uh, offering a lot of encouragement to players, and, and really do a lot, drew a lot of people to his room over the years at Miami Highline, and uh, the guys at the PPC uh, smart enough to realize that as they expand and get very very busy, that Joe is a great asset at their rooms there. And uh, so Joe will be back next week and uh, back on the show. Look forward to having him back. But Mark joins me tonight, and uh, thanks for taking the time to be in. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, Yep. You'd always have a good time, and the time just flies by as we have conversations uh, on the show here. Um, certainly a lot of stuff to talk about, as usual, and uh, we'll get into some stuff. Mark is an expert player at uh, Omaha 8, uh, the high-low game. that uh, I'm confused as to why it hasn't taken off more, because I have such fun. I play it online all the time, and I want to get into a little bit of... Uh, strategy tonight on it and uh, we'll talk about some of that but any thoughts as to why some of the mixed games seem to be taking off there for the last couple of years and i don't know have they leveled out a little bit or do you see a lot of interest out there uh in vegas
1: over the summer i was there uh, for the six weeks and i noticed that there were definitely a lot more mixed games going on at the at the W S O P. In the cash game rooms outside of the tournaments? Yes. Okay. Uh there. And as well, they were also having some larger games at Aria and some of the other casinos around there.
0: What's a large game? Uh twenty five fifty?
1: For for, for limit I would say over that. There, there More was, than that. Yeah. Uh saw a mixed game in Bobby's room, uh I'd say five hundred a thousand. Which is
0: at the Aria, right?
1: That Bobby's is at Bellagio.
0: Oh, Bellagio, okay.
1: Right. Uh that was five hundred a thousand. And uh, you really just you see even higher than that as well sometimes, just uh, depending on the people.
0: When the rates uh, or the uh, and the blinds are that high, there's really no need to have it be no limit, right? <laughs> it's point. already.
1: Yeah, it's already so big. And uh, there's so much strategy that goes on in those games because a lot of people are strong in one game. But then when you add the mix aspect, you're playing five, six games. So you can take advantage and exploit some of the players that are good in one, but not in others. Right. Would you say that PLO, just straight PLO, is basically the second choice now among games
0: behind no limit hold'em?
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. And and that I, I've really taken a liking to that game. Uh, I've been I played uh, my fair share now, and uh, it's it's just a lot more. There's a lot more skill I believe that's going on in that game, uh, where people think that they understand it kind of like hold'em. But you can really exploit the players a lot better
0: in PLO than you can in No Limit Hold'em. Well, it's, uh, you know, the choices are out there somewhat, and uh, I guess it's what the market will bear. So uh, people got so into No Limit Hold'em for so long that uh, it wasn't going anywhere for a while. But, uh, you know, a couple years ago when we had Tom Schneider on, he won a couple of bracelets uh, in horse and uh, the mixed games were out there. It seemed to be on the increase, and now I feel like it's not happening as much. Uh, is there just, like, too much expertise needed in uh, high-low games that people just don't want to take the time to learn?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it is. It's a lot to learn. There's so much going on, and you're talking about having to learn multiple games. It's not just the one. So you, you in, in that mix, you're going to have Omaha high-low you're going to have Badoogie. You're going to have Triple Draw. And these games are very com- complex. So there's so many different things you have to learn. So it's just, unless you're an avid player and you're somebody that's doing this for for a living on such a high scale, it's really difficult to get involved in something like that and
0: put in that type of time. Mm-hmm. In the dealer's choice games, I think there was like 19 different games you could play, you know, variations of different games. Uh, let me ask you this: If you were playing in a tournament like that, would you constantly play the same game every time it was your choice? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Which would be Omaha Eight yeah. or Badoogie Badesi or something like that. I'm
1: not. I'm not. I'm not too familiar with those games. I would. I would choose Omaha Eight or better. I just really enjoy that game the most, and uh, that's basically what I
0: would choose every time. Is there just a simple key? Because I feel like personally, I enjoy playing Raz. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a natural aptitude towards certain games. I guess there is not such a thing as far as I'm concerned. But You just like uh, to make the worst hand. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I do. And, I, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of found my secret to be is that you don't chase or get in a race with somebody. Uh, if you don't have a great hand, don't stick around too long. Get rid of it. And if you have it, then you just put the pedal to the metal. From what my take on poker is it's a game of patience.
1: And just as you said, you just don't want to force the action. And you got to be very stingy with your starting hands. You have to be very uh, – just basically you just always have to be patient. And patience is the most important thing because if you have the people, the fish in the game that are playing every hand, you want to pick up a hand that you can beat them with, not one that they're playing as well. Right. And then it's an even playing field where you're just in the same same boat as them.
0: Uh, is there just uh, is there certain areas of the country where you see things taking off in this kind of direction of mixed games, as opposed to right here in South Florida, or uh, is is it uh, kind of hit and miss everywhere? Uh, it's
1: in Vegas. They have mixed games regularly, and that's probably the only place you're going to find it constantly. There's a game here in Coconut Creek. I'm not sure of the limits, uh, but they have a mixed game that goes fairly regularly. I know people that play in uh, it's just, it's like I said, it's it's hit or miss other than Vegas.
0: Well, I wonder if that's the game Corey Zeidman uh, is involved in because he uh, was on the show last week with me, and uh, they have a regular game there where they actually give them that glass room up there. I don't know if that's the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that would be the one. It's a pretty big game. Uh, the Grinder and Rob Mizraki play occasionally. Brian Hastings, I think, plays. Uh, Jason Mercier will pop in there. and You get some big-name players, and that is, I know, a pretty nice game, but... Uh, Corey says he hasn't been playing in that much lately. Yeah, it sounds like a very difficult lineup. I don't think <laughs> I'd <want it> <laughs> I would want to think I uh, stay away. How much is that a key for you? I'm sure it's a, a huge key and that is searching out the games where you can find players that are not that great or think they're great but aren't aren't as great. I
1: mean, it's probably the number one thing is that I mean, it's not really how good you are, it's how good the players you're playing against are. Right. I mean, if I'm a if I think I'm an 8 out of 10, I I don't want to I don't want to be playing against 9s. I'd rather, much rather, be a four playing
0: against twos. Yeah. So. And and how do you know that when you walk into a casino? Say, you, I mean, obviously there's places you can go find a regular game, and I'm sure you've done that in the past. But uh, say you go to the aisle and you see uh, an Omaha game going, and how do you know uh, which games are are worth playing? You I say. mean, how long does it take you to find out and determine that? I mean, with Omaha High Low, you really just got to get your feet wet. I mean, you're not gonna be able to stand
1: around the table and and watch, and watch it. Right. You really just got to sit down and play. And at worst, you lose a little bit and then you get up. I would I would say it's worth it to take that opportunity to try. And then if everyone's better, then they're better. But.
0: And do you find that when you when you do find a game? I mean, these are around on a regular basis, a certain night of the week, a certain time. Where everybody gets together, or it just happens to be when these guys decide they want to play. Yeah,
1: I, I think that especially with High Low, it's it's going to be the same people on a regular basis. It was a game at Gulfstream I was playing in fairly regularly, and it was the same guys. Uh, it, w- it it's nice that that Florida is the only place really in the country I know of that allows private games, and you get the same people that are coming in on a daily on a on a weekly basis, maybe two three days a week and playing with the same people and those are the those are really the best games to get yourself involved in. Okay.
0: Uh let's transition then to the Seminole Hard Rock Coconut Creek which you did mention earlier. Uh obviously there's there's always tournaments going on at the Hard Rock. They had the Everglades Open, the next one will be the uh, Rock and Roll Poker Open. So big name tournaments that bring people in, but there was a pretty nice turnout for this uh, Coco Poker Open that was at Coconut Creek and uh you mentioned to me before the show that you had heard that there was an overlay on the main event which was a million dollar guarantee uh 250 271,000 dollar two, overlay okay and what was the buy in do you remember 2500 2500 okay so uh great value there and uh the winner of that tournament was Ian Ohara who's really? a, yeah who's wow. a, who's a known player in this area uh i was just reading about that today uh won that tournament over there and uh i guess there was a chop at the very end with one other player but uh some of the names i saw that were involved in this thing was was pretty interesting um it was it's funny because there's i, th- I think 12 events and usually the main is at the very end but this was event 3 so it was in the beginning it opened with an omaha high low 8 uh tournament and there's also one today, which is like event at 8 or 9. There's one that started today at noon. So a couple of them were involved. This is the topic that I was mentioning. But Ian O'Hara, who I'm sure you know, yeah. is a good player and uh, won this in a chop with a fellow named Kunal Patel. I don't know if you know him, but they basically... I think Ian had a slightly larger stack, so he took 212000 Patel took 206000 and O'Hara got the seat for the Seminole Hard Rock Poker over the $5,000 seat. He is
1: very good. I've yeah. watched
0: him play a few times, and I think he's like 23 or something. He's very Yeah, young. he is young.
1: He's very young.
0: Yeah, so he is young. Very uh, impressive. Uh, Glenn Becker was third, by the way, in that. Marshall Wolak, a friend of the show, uh, finished in fourth place, won $70,000. Sean Shaw, who I've uh, had on the show before, he won 40000 for sixth. Uh, Matthew Smith, you know Matthew? I don't. Okay, he's a local guy. Finished seventh, and uh, Jason Dollinger was tenth. Just for some of the names, but uh, let, Jason, let's talk about the uh, the overlay a little bit. Uh, I didn't see a lot of mention about that. You know, usually uh, because of the stuff at the Hard Rock where they took it in the shorts for over two million dollars one year. You know, it's a big topic, but there wasn't a lot of mention of that.
1: And they have so much in in their jackpot. I'm surprised that they don't just splash the pot with some seats do something to, to do that. I mean, the fact that they're not is really good for the poker community, Right. that they're not taking it out of the jackpot and splashing the pot and doing things like that.
0: 331 players entered in this one. It was a million guarantees, so uh, as you mentioned, quite a bit short. But um, How's that place to play? Do you go there often? I know they have moved their room downstairs. They used to have it upstairs, and they turned the uh, second floor area into a high roller slot area. Oh really? They kept the classroom which uh, they used for some poker, but they moved the room downstairs by the uh the 5th I think it's called the 5th Street Deli.
1: Yeah, okay. I the last time I was there was upstairs, so I haven't so, yeah, I haven't played very often at in that
0: location. So no real feeling for how that stacks up with other rooms in the area.
1: I don't. I remember thinking it was a very nice room uh before they moved it. So I'm sure it's just as nice,
0: if not nicer. But I just looked at some of the other names of players. Vanessa Russo played, Lonnie Harwood, David Diaz, Aaron Massey. Uh, then the the Hard Rock guys, uh, Shetty Siddiqui and Michael Newman. None of those cashed. Uh, John Dolan. Uh, From the west coast of Florida over by uh, Fort Myers, uh, Naples-Fort Myers area, finished 18th. Stu Patterson uh, finished 20th, and Ryan Van Sanford was 25th. So those are a few people that finished, and and it looks like a pretty good tournament. And I just wonder uh, how the Hard Rock looks at their different properties. Tampa is obviously doing very well. In fact, brings in more money than the Hollywood uh, facility. But uh, they haven't been able to break out as far as putting a big national tournament there. And everybody, when they hear hard rock, they think of Hollywood. Right. it's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that, that they're doing... Have well, you been to any of those? Like, well, Brighton,
0: any the those seminal places?
1: hard rock here in, in Hollywood is doing... Uh, they're renovating and they're building more rooms and everything. Right. I think once that completes, because they only have... They have a very small amount of rooms. Once they double that size and, and things like that, I think they'll attract more people as yeah, well. I think so as well.
0: But uh, certainly interesting. Uh, we keep an eye on that event, and uh, congratulations to Ian O'Hara. Um, I know that he's been coming on, and I follow him on Twitter, and I know he's a good player. Um, but he seems to have gotten a lot better in the last, uh, you know, year yeah I remember seeing him and he's playing high roller events for God's sake, <laughs> right and
1: he seems to be final tabling a lot I, I remember when they were doing the the four tables uh at the hard the rock big last four, right? yeah last year he was at the final table, i think for the high roller okay uh so yeah he's just he's on a tear,
0: and how do you evaluate uh the way guys get better like that? Like, I can remember Marcia, who I like very much, and she seems to be doing well, but I can remember in the early days when she was on the show, when she won the ladies event, and people said, oh, she's terrible. And I thought, how could she be terrible? I mean, she won a bracelet. uh, I just see people get so much better so quickly. I guess it's just a a matter of course of just playing a Yeah, and also, uh, when
1: you surround yourself with other good players, Mm -hmm. then you bounce ideas off. You discuss hands with each other. And then one thing leads to the next, and you end up getting better from each other. So you improve uh, just through conversation and going over hands. Mm -hmm. And when you surround yourself with other good
0: players, you're bound to get better. The other thing I was I wanted to mention was the uh, big Borgata tournament. Have you ever played at the Borgata? Yes. And uh, what do you think of that place? Well, I played
1: there a very long time ago. Uh, I grew up in Baltimore, so I used to go to Atlantic City on the weekends a lot. And they had the nicest room without question. Uh, And I really enjoyed playing there. Uh so that was, uh, that. It, it's I mean, that's one of the top rooms, I, I would say, in the country,
0: the yeah. Borgata. Yeah, it's uh, certainly the luster is off Atlantic City in general, but even the Borgata somewhat where it's not probably, it's still probably considered one of the top rooms in the country. But I don't think, uh, you know, it stands far and away like one of the best like it used to.
1: No, but MGM just purchased them. So I'm pretty sure that they'll be getting back on the map with some more, uh, big tournaments and
0: things going on. Where speaking of big uh, rooms, uh, the Maryland Live. Have you played there yet?
1: Yes, of course.
0: And uh, since you're from that area, I guess you're actually from Virginia, Baltimore. Uh, but outside of Baltimore, Baltimore. and uh, you lived in Virginia at one point or something. No, which is that area kind of confuses me because the state of Maryland is fairly small, and and Virginia, North Carolina, and and Delaware, and all those places are really pretty close. So you can be in the Baltimore area, and that could that could mean a lot of things. <laughs> right. But Maryland Live obviously is definitely going to have some competition over the next year, and uh, with the other room that's that's coming in Baltimore, I guess that's a that would be a MGM. MGM, yeah. Yeah. So what's your what's your outlook on what's happened in Maryland over the year? I know there was another room that had like eight tables and a horseshoe, I think. Yeah, the Maryland. horseshoe.
1: Yeah, it's just basically uh, you talk about Atlantic City on the down on the downward. Spiral, And then you've got Delaware Park. You've got all these places that are opening around. Mm -hmm. It's like there's no reason to go to Atlantic City anymore. People used to travel three hours. All the Philly places,
0: parks. uh. Yeah,
1: I mean, including myself, used to travel to Atlantic City. Now there's no reason to go anymore.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's, I mean, it's...
0: I've never been there, and uh, I don't know much about it, but I know that... uh, the biggest complaint I hear is that the uh, the town basically is a dump outside of uh, the boardwalk in, the, in maybe seven or eight hotels right on the water.
1: Yeah, and it's it can be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, it's frightening sometimes walking around there at 2, 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's not very well lit, and it's,
0: I mean, it, it's, it, safety is first and foremost when you're, yeah, <laughs> when you're going places. So. absolutely. Well, I mentioned the Borgata, and the winner of that one uh, was Jesse Silvio. We were on the show last week. I think there were maybe down to uh the final twenty seven or something like that. And a lot of big names still around in that one. But Jesse Sylvia took the win there and uh, Jesse of course is famous for finishing second in the main event a couple of years ago to Greg Merson. I think that was the tournament where they played like eleven hours three handed and uh until like four in the morning or something. Oh, like wow. that. It was crazy. Uh I was taping the show, and I think I used three DVDs, basically, back-to-back, <laughs> back. but uh, it was a 2012, which is, is enough to make me feel like uh, life is just flying by, but um, when they went into the final table, uh, a guy from Miami, Fareed Jattin, you know him at all? Doesn't sound familiar. He's from Columbia, but uh, he lives in Miami, and uh, he came into the final table with uh, 15.7 million chips which was more than the other five players at the final table combined. So you would think, you know, you just got to milk that in, and uh, how could you possibly lose that tournament, the average guy? But, of course, what happened? He finished sixth. He was the first one knocked out. He took all the bad hands early. Uh, They said he was trying to sheriff the table a little bit, and uh, it got away from him really quick, and he ended up getting knocked out in sixth. You
1: have to keep composure, whether it's tournaments or cash games. You have to keep your composure Tilt factor is what separates the good from the bad, you know, and the good from the best. It's just you gotta you gotta stay even keel, and if you can't, it's not the right it's not the
0: right uh, game for you. right game for you yeah, right. Absolutely, Jesse Sylvia, the winner, eight hundred twenty-one thousand at the Borgata. Zach Grunberg finished second, four hundred ninety k. Taha Maruf was third. Simon Lamb fourth. Chris Limo fifth, and Jatin who we thought was headed for a close to a million dollar payday ends up taking home one hundred and sixty seven thousand. So um it's kind of interesting. They talk about some of the hands on poker news and and uh just made a few mistakes basically. I think he got really played uh on one hand that uh was kind of interesting, but uh you know, maybe I'll get into that another time because there's so much to talk about tonight. Anyway, Jesse Sylvia wins it there and Ian O'Hara wins the uh Coco Poker Open. So we'll keep an eye on stuff. Uh uh, we talked briefly off the air about the November 9. Uh, you mentioned that you had played before with Cliff Josephy. Uh, Johnny Bax is the chip leader going in. Uh, we also have a guy that plays here in South Florida a lot, Jerry Wong, who a lot of the South Florida people are going to be rooting for. And it seems like that guy, Gordon Veo Va- is a very nice guy. Uh, I don't know a lot about the other guys at the table, but uh, as we watch the shows going on, and you said you don't really see much of the... Will you go back and try to catch up before the November nine and see any of that, or you just don't don't really have a lot of interest in it?
1: Uh, I just got engaged a couple of months okay. ago. Been spending my time with that's a little, with more, her a as
0: little well. more important. I think. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Does she like poker?
1: Um, she does. She's, I mean, as much as she can, I guess. You know, it's
0: learn to love for it. I guess. Corey was here in the studio and brought his girl last week and. Uh, we kind of surmised that she didn't like poker too much. So uh, <laughs> uh, It's got to be tough because you go out there and you put a lot of time into it. Uh, when you go out to play cash, how many hours do you spend at, at the casino? Uh, about six. Yeah. Do you yeah. ever spend 10 or 12?
1: Of course. I mean, there are times where I. it's just so good be, that you can't get away. It could be longer, yeah. It just depends. I mean, it really depends on the game. You know, it's nice to have a schedule, but... You can't make the games. You know, it's the games make themselves,
0: and you got to play when you can. Okay, we're talking with Mark Perlman. Joining me in the studio tonight, Joe is uh, up in Kansas working on a uh, poker event for the PPC Aruba guys, and uh, he'll be back on the show next week. But uh, certainly a lot of things I like to uh, uh, tap into Mark's brain a little bit, and, uh, you know, one is the... Career that you had as a dealer, which you've mm-hmm. gotten, which you've completed, and, and moved away from a little bit. Uh, you, we have uh, advertised your school before, where you had a heads-up uh, poker, a training academy for dealers, mm-hmm. and we've talked a lot about that. You also served time as a floor manager. Uh, and a lot of decisions and that sort of thing. So when we come back, I want to talk about this incident, and even though you haven't seen much of it, I will kind of try to explain my best to you, the William Kasuf-Stacey Madison affair, which was uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before was on the uh, WSOP shows, and there's been a ton of conversation about it throughout the uh, uh, throughout the couple of weeks on Twitter and people deciding... Should there be a penalty and what? where should the parameters be for penalizing people for taunting, uh, speaking about hands and some of the rules of the game? So you're familiar with the rules, so I want to talk to you about that a little of bit course. when we come back. We'll do that, but first let's tell you about Gulfstream Park, where Mark used to work uh, years ago. It's funny how time flies by and you move on to other things and you go, wow, I've been gone from there a year and a half or something like that, and it's yeah. amazing. It seems like it was just a month ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Any thoughts about that? It's just nice how things just seem to work themselves out. And yeah.
1: Been very uh, blessed in that regard.
0: Well, we liked the room at Gulfstream, and and we loved it when uh, when Mark was there because there's a lot of great people that work there. There's no question about it. Uh, Scott Poole is the, runs the room there. And uh, you really can get a lot of great games there. There's a lot of different stuff. But to me, it's a, a nice clean room, well run. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a nice location.
1: Oh, yeah, and all of the renovations that they're, they have going on there. I mean, that, that Pegasus that they have yeah, is yeah, a cool. sight to see. I it mean, is. you can
0: see that from miles away, and you want to see it so close because of how incredible it looks. Yeah, I just haven't seen a lot of uh, practical uses for it. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with
1: that. Yeah, they got to come up with
0: some idea that they can some sort of make it more of an attraction. Yeah, Pegasus, a 110-foot bronze statue, statue out in the parking lot. Uh, I guess there 's an inside where you, they, you can have social events and something oh, like that okay. uh, would seem to be a great place for some sort of horse racing museum or something like that that people could go to right. and i 'm sure they 'll as they develop it it 'll go along but that is uh, that is there now, and uh, so definitely a sight to behold and kind of a landmark that 's a, a tribute to racing and and people can use it as a landmark to get there but of course, out in front is the village of Gulfstream Park, all the restaurants and the different things to do that 's a great part of the of the uh, beyond of Gulfstream Park. Uh, a beautiful view around the track where you look out over Aventura and see the condos out in the in the palm trees. and It's just a beautiful place. Uh, it's located in the southern part of Broward County, just north of the Dade County line. It's at 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. Just get off the Hallandale Beach uh, exit off 95 and head east toward the beaches, and you'll run right into Pegasus there, and you'll find your way there. Uh, Poker Room's located in the first-floor casino. The Finish Line Casino is what it's called. And uh, they have 20 rooms, 20 tables there, and uh, you can check that out. Uh, Open just about all the time, obviously uh, overnight, uh, closed during the week uh, for about five hours or so. But uh, a great place. And I would suggest going there on a Saturday. When it's nice and packed, uh, there's plenty of horse racing and stuff to do. It's a great place. Once again, 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. If you want information about the card room, give them a call at 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Boker Action Live. odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play for free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the play-for-real game becomes available later this year. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, and father of five. I'm also an expert on drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids, and there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. And lead the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon here on Poker Action Line. Joe is uh, out of town this week. Mark Perlman joins me, and uh, we'll touch on some of the things that Mark has expertise on over the years, including Omaha 8. We'll get to that in the last part of the show. Uh, but I wanted to touch on this situation with Will Kasouf because obviously it's been on TV everybody's talking about it and uh it's probably good to have mark mark doesn't really know a lot about it cuz we can get his uh opinion on it but uh there are certain rules that you have to follow in the game of poker and uh you know obviously talking about your hand uh advising and uh taunting people can be a real problem in major tournaments. Do you see that on a regular basis at at cash games that there are certain guys that are just you always have to keep an eye on because we might throw them out? Oh yeah, sure. Tell me a little it, about that.
1: It's part of the game, I feel like. Uh my, my I do too. my opinion of it is poker is poker and and part of it is it's not necessarily getting under somebody's skin, but it's about having communication, you know, talking to try to figure out what's, what that person has. And, and that kind of separates one player from the next, their ability to read somebody else. So it, it, heads up, it's always been allowed. When you're heads up, you can talk. And then they've changed the rules where you can't say your hand. And, and like they, they're constantly changing the rules based upon one incident is what it seems like. Yeah. It's like one thing happens, so then Each they modify reactions. it. Right. Uh, but I like the idea of being able to talk and and try to get a read because the thing is, is you don't have to respond. You don't have to talk back. So what's the harm in somebody saying, "Do you want me to call right now?" What's the harm in saying, "Do you, do you have, do you have it? You got the goods." What's the harm in that? There's really not, and and that's just, uh, it's just my opinion, but right.
0: Uh, what what actually had happened well,
1: in this story?
0: First, let me start off by saying there was a hand where uh, Kasuf actually had uh, he had nine six of hearts. And there was, uh, I guess, 7-8 was on the flop, and uh, the 5 came on the turn, I believe. Uh, I don't remember the exact hand, but he had a straight flush. Okay. Stacy, uh, who is a friend of ours and uh, runs the, the dealer academy, the WSOP dealer academy, and uh, has been a friend of ours over the years, uh, was making a de- This is on day 5, so there's down under 200 players at the time. And uh he basically was cajoling her into uh um uh, you know, said if hey, if you got it, you, you you gotta play, uh, you know. And she had ace queen off suit. There was an ace on the flop and she thought she had the best hand. Of course she did until he got the, the straight flush on the turn. Uh so he was kind of bas on and on and, and she finally laid it down, which was a good uh, good lay down there and saved her a lot of chips. And, uh, you know, he's pounding his chest uh, like a boss and and stuff like that. And, and uh, he did more of this later. But the hand in question really is one where she had pocket queens. And he, again, had, uh, uh, let me think exactly what he had. He, I, he had nine high and uh, uh, had a chance to, uh, you know, was working toward a straight but never got there. So he... Basically wanted her to fold and kept talking to her, uh, you know, and, and on and on. And, and, and I guess that's a regular thing in, in the European uh, uh, world that you there's a lot of speech play is what they're, they're calling it now. She eventually laid down the best hand with the pocket queens. Okay. And since he was on her earlier and uh, he was getting worn by the floor, Maybe like four times. And the first time that this happened, in the other hand, they didn't come over. But this time they did. And Jack Effel got involved. He was at the table and said, listen, you know, no more from you. Uh, another word. He, he said, you're going to get a penalty uh, for taunting. And eventually the hand ended. And, and before she folded, he, he said, I don't want to hear another word from you. And so he started making signals, zipping his lip and uh, making, you know, Fold uh, signals and stuff like that. So she was getting very upset because her basically her tournament life was on the line. So eventually she laid down the best hand. And, uh, you know, he was kind of bragging about it and said, oh, I did nothing wrong and this and that. And was given the one orbit penalty by by Jack effel right. And the talk is, first of all, does Eiffel have the uh, uh, authority to take him out? And And I don't think there's any question that he does. Uh, there's pretty wide uh, uh, authority there for floor people, tournament directors, and, and floor people itself. So, what is the your thought on the power that you wield? Right. I mean, the, the rules are set in place for everybody to follow,
1: and sometimes you're teetering the line of what is legal and illegal in regards to the rules. If he already had been warned, and if Jack Effel was already going to come over to the table for something previously, then sure, he deserves to have a penalty. And I don't even know that a one-round penalty for having a warning and then doing the same thing that you got the warning for, a one-round penalty is sufficient. I think you should get even more than that, because yeah. then what's the point of
0: even giving the warning if it's just going to be one orbit? Now, you're in the money at this point, and uh, the prize money is uh, $35,000 plus. Uh, you're into f- day five. It's very tough, and Stacy explained her point of view that she had, you know, how important this was to her, and uh, how f- how grueling the five days is. We talked a lot about that. There's no question that's true. Uh, but the rule says uh, that when you're uh, whether in a hand or not, participants may not disclose the contents of right. live or folded hands, advise or criticize play at any time, read a hand that hasn't been tabled, or discuss strategy with an outside source. Uh, The exceptions are if a participant that he is allowed to mention the strength or content of his or her hand, if no other participant in the hand will have a decision to make or in heads up events or down to the last two participants. Then you can speak freely. Uh, He was heads up in that pot. She still had to act. So that doesn't apply. Right. Uh, There's 200 other players in the tournament. So the second one doesn't apply. So the other rule is, uh, participants who taunt another participant through theatrics or gestures, or engages in any form of inappropriate behavior intended to disrupt other participants of the tournament will be subject to penalty. So uh, I think when he, she folded and he says a nine high like a boss and pounding his chest and basically, uh, that I think it's pretty uh, easy to determine that that's what the case yeah, is. Yeah, and it's so upsetting for her because this is so important to her as it would be to anybody else.
1: And then you make the fold, you think you're making the correct laydown, because the last time that he was talking and taunting, he ended up having the straight flush. Now he's doing it, and so you're taking the same read, that he's talking and doing the same thing, but this time he's bluffing. So now it's like the double effect, because not only did you lose, you made the wrong read, and it's just, it's so frustrating. It's tough to overcome something like that, no matter who you are, no matter how good you are. To stay even keel after something like that has to be extremely uh, difficult, as, and you said this was day 5 day 5 so think about how much play you've already put in
0: 50 hours of
1: uh of play at this point and i mean that's that's rough
0: well negranu is uh, people a lot of people go to negranu because you know he will he will try to get people to say things and get a read on them and a lot of the great players will of i mean that's course. a certain part of the game when Corey was on last week he felt that that was a big part of his game and you don't want to be nasty or uh, take it to the point where you're really upsetting somebody. But there is such a thing as excessive chatter, and uh, I think that's what what was involved there. Right,
1: and like I said in the beginning, you know, when you say to somebody, do you want me to call, and then they have the right to answer or not answer and things like that, when you ask them that one question, if they choose to not talk back, if you are continuing to try to get a conversation going, at that point I think that that's a little bit much. The players decided not to react. I mean, you you made your attempt to get a read or whatever. At that point, I think that it should be able. You should be moving on.
0: Well, the point. other thing that complicated things for Stacy was that another player who had just sat down at their table and only been there for a couple of hands, called the clock on her when she's thinking and he's going on and on and she's getting upset, and he called the clock on her, which she made her really angry, because you know she felt like it was a really tough situation. She needed more time. Uh, So that was a big problem as well. And we know that the game has a problem with slow play and people taking too long. Where do you draw the line on on calling the clock and when it's appropriate and when it's not?
1: Uh, The rules say that they had a significant amount of time. I think it's two minutes to make the decision before the clock is called. However, I think that that already is is more than enough time. Uh, You do have occasionally a, a long decision to make. If it's somebody that doesn't do it often then I don't think that there should really be a limit on to how long they take, because it's this is an extenuating circumstance. You have a lot of people that, the same people, that make decisions, whether it's going to be for a check, a bet, a raise, whatever it is, they still are taking longer than everybody else. They should have the clock called on them. Uh, the thing about the clock, though, is lots of times people will just wait the whole minute before they fold or call or whatever just out of spite. So... Uh, the the whole the whole thing I I almost feel like it should it should be up to the dealer to make a decision based upon how many times they're seeing it
0: but that would obviously be uh, a
1: little difficult well, to do Charlie
0: Cerisi well. was uh, the floor guy that came up first and had warned him several times uh, pretty bizarre for Jack Effel to get involved in something like that
1: yeah that is
0: maybe he was just walking by I
1: mean did they did they actually request for him
0: I don't Cause think cause they it, did
1: it's I so rare for him to, to get involved yeah. yeah he must have just been there because it's so rare unless you have a floor call that's made and then the player just cannot cannot comprehend that this was done so then then you get Jack Eiffel to come as like a a second opinion.
0: Well, her point basically was that, you know, if she made the wrong decision uh and lost the hand and she was out. But and she erred on the side of being safe and staying in, probably moved up another 30 spots or something like that. Uh, well not uh, not even now now that I, I recall that the very next hand she got pocket aces and lost the hand when the guy with a kings king 8 off suit or something like that flopped two kings right so it knocked her out of the tournament so very very tough it's situation tournament for her. poker i i just
1: uh, i'm <laughs> i'm basically just over the tournament poker as Are a whole you? because It's such a grind, and even in the hand there, like, aces versus king-eight, I mean, I don't know the exact math, but I'd assume it's around, like, 85-15. So, like, one out of six times, you're going to lose that hand, and if it's for all your chips, you're out. So, yeah, it's aces versus king-eight, and that's terrible, but it's going to happen almost 20% of the time. So, about one in five, you're going to lose this hand. (laughs) That's why this game is so great, because that person with the king-eight that probably made a bad decision... Might have gone on to the november nine and and he had other situations where he was fifteen to twenty percent right. and he and he just happened to win all these hands that's why this game is so great because you're getting all these people that are hitting these hands and then they're thinking that they're great, so they continue playing and things like that so
0: well it's, it. it's interesting uh, certainly they're going to be talking about it, and of course. The, the TV people absolutely loved this guy, uh, gave them something to show, and, and created a lot of attention for the game, and that's a good thing.
1: You remember H- Havad Khan? Yeah, right. Uh, that guy used to scream and get up at the table and just go nuts. I don't know what he's been doing lately. I haven't seen him, but, I mean, it's just like somebody like that made a name for himself, right. not from his poker play, but from his poker theatrics. And you've got these people that are talking at the table and they're doing all these things. And then they make a name for themselves from their, the way that they act. And
0: it's then the Italian guy a couple of years later, uh, I forget his name, uh, the, the young Italian guy that uh, would 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 go crazy and, uh, you know, running around the floor and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I
1: mean, they're making a name for themselves. They're getting on ESPN, the
0: worldwide <laughs> leader in sports. I mean, this
1: is like, it's like a dream come true as a kid. I want to be on ESPN. You know, poker has made that a, a, available to anybody. I mean you could be a terrible poker player and you can make your way on ESPN. Uh it's I mean it's exciting. The more theatrics you're doing, the more crazy you're being, the more likely do you are to get on the television.
0: As there continues to be discussion about this, uh do you foresee then some sort of uh knee jerk reaction to this where there's another rule made and that they'll have to reverse somewhere down the line and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it's the the thing about it is you always the You can always go back to the floor, decision is being final, and it's up to the floor to make the the decision. So you can go up and make the decision based upon the players. If it's somebody that's not normally going to be doing this on a regular basis and this happened to be a large hand, things like that, then the floor can take it into account, okay, I've never seen this from this player before. I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway in this regard. So I think that that rule in the rule book is the best one that... It's up to the floor's discretion.
0: How hard did you find the transition going from a dealer to suddenly working the floor? I mean, is there a huge difference? Uh, Did your experience as a dealer really help you as a floor person, or you had to learn something and forget other things going to that position? Yeah, 100%. And and the
1: thing with me was that I started out on the circuit. I was dealing the World Series. I was dealing WSOP events. And I was dealing all these different things where it was on such a larger level that the game was just, it was such a big part of the ethics was was the biggest thing, was the ethics of the game. And then dealing cash in Florida was a little bit different, uh, but it definitely gave me the background to be a floor and make the right decisions on a regular basis from learning from the WSOP and things like that on the circuit. Uh,
0: Obviously, being a dealer has helped your card game yourself as a player. Do you miss dealing cards at all? I do, and... From what aspect—the the the camaraderie with the other dealers, or just the actual interaction with the players? I was really good at it. I was a
1: really really good dealer. As you know, I had the the dealing school, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a passion of mine. Um, Just being quick, not talking, uh, just being as professional as possible was just very important to me. And seeing the digression of dealers now is just—it's so difficult sometimes to sit there and then just watch the dealers holding up the games while they talk and bring up conversations. It's like, can you please just put out the turn card? You know, like, it's just, it's (laughs) unreal. It's like, we're paying you to, to work, right? This is your job. You need to do your job as a professional. Uh, So that, that's one thing that I do miss was the professionalism that I had uh, as, as a dealer.
0: Do you foresee yourself ever going back and doing it again?
1: Um I don't know. I I definitely miss it. I could see it possibly. Um but things have been going well. I've made some solid investments over the last couple of years that have worked out well for me. So uh
0: hoping to continue the way things are. And what's your goal in the game basically? Uh to win a bracelet? Is that a big goal of yours? Uh to to make some sort of living, to get on TV uh in a in a poker tournament? Uh, whether it's Omaha 8 or something else. Uh, what is your goals in in the game?
1: Just want to continue making money. Yeah,
0: I, That stuff never really was important to me.
1: Um, just got really lucky. I've got a fantastic fiance and th- that's that's really what's important to me, yeah. his family and, and things like that. Uh, if poker continues to provide a, a, an outlet and a source for income, then it'll continue. Uh, but in regards to getting famous off of it or doing yeah. things like that, that'd be more for my family to enjoy that part. It
0: really never did much for me. One of the big things you mentioned earlier was being patient and learning patience. Uh, has it taught you that? I mean, has it uh, made you a better person uh, in any way? Say that again? Uh, the Playing poker, you said patience was a big part of it. Something that I don't think I'll ever have uh, to be successful in the game. But uh, has it... Has the fact that you played poker, that you worked at a poker room, that you that taught poker, uh, has that made you a better person? In any yeah,
1: way? patience okay. is a virtue, and it definitely has been that way for me. Uh, just understanding what's important and what's not, uh, and poker definitely. I mean, <laughs> you 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 talk about the aces versus king eight. You got to be able to take a hand like that and just move on, and and things like that. And I think I've been very fortunate. Uh, with all the years of experience that I've had, uh, you know, in front of the table, behind the table, and at the table as a player,
0: uh, it's just it's 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 definitely made me a better person. Okay. I would say. We'll talk a little bit more about your playing and your uh, thoughts on strategy. I want to get to the Omaha Eight stuff here in the last segment, but uh, let's tell you about our friends at Gulfstream Park, uh, located in Hallandale Beach. And a great place to go play poker. It's obviously there's many things there to attract uh, gambling people in South Florida and non-gamblers because there's great restaurants, great shops, and uh, it's a it's an entire entertainment complex here in South Florida. Really, a, one of the jewels of South Florida, no question about it. Located in Hallendale Beach, which is just over the Dade Broward line, so the south part of Broward County. Very easy to get to from all parts of the state as they head down south here. And uh, very easy to get to and easy to find. It's located at 901 South Federal Highway. Uh, They have poker tournaments nightly at 7 o'clock. Different uh, prices and different buy-ins, different number of starting chips. So if you have any questions about the game, and what they uh, spread there, what's happening in the room. A little more about their loyalty program, which is a very great program there now at Gulfstream Park. You can always give them a call at 954-457-6336, 954-457-6336. It's it's not just for Boker. It's not just for horse racing. It's a complete entertainment package there, and uh, we invite you to check it out. As we get into the winter season, they'll have uh, the championship horse racing uh, championship meet, which starts the first part of December. And goes on through the Florida Derby in April. It's just a great time here in South Florida. Really looking forward to some of this hot weather, uh, getting out of here, and having some nice uh, uh, lack of humidity days that we uh, don't get too often. But it really turns beautiful here in South Florida. That's why we live here, Uh, basically Thanksgiving to uh, Easter. And uh, it's just around the corner, so we're looking forward to that. But part of the deal is to go to uh, Gulfstream Park and have a great time. Watch a few races Maybe uh, play a few slots. Uh, Certainly they are putting in a hotel, and there's lots of uh, improvements that are coming. So it keeps getting better and better. It's Gulfstream Park. We invite you to head on over there. Tell them that uh, Big Dave and Joe, and tonight Mark Perlman, (laughs) sent you on over. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide and right now this game is in a play for free test mode and you are not obligated to purchase anything. Get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit. And much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back, final segment of the show. Big Dave Lemon and Mark Perlman tonight here from the studios in South Florida as uh, we talk about all aspects of the game. The Cocoa Poker Open uh, going on. They they have some nice high-hand bonuses going on during the tournament, which is pretty good. Um, $199 every 20 minutes on certain days, $500 every 20 minutes with rollover from uh, 620 at night to 2 a.m. That's uh, several days of the week. So check out their website if you want some information uh they are moving on with the tournament and uh as far as the schedule goes i know that there's a big 350 uh buy-in with a 250,000 guarantee coming up uh today was an omaha hilo event i was a little worried that maybe you were <laughs> going to play in that you weren't going to be able to make the show but uh because certainly if you got started at noon you wouldn't be ready to come over and do the show oh well, sometimes i
1: <laughs> don't last too long
0: so uh anyway that moves on and uh we will uh, definitely follow that as we're going. Uh, Ian O'Hara, congratulations to him for winning that tournament. Uh, just to let you know what's coming up, uh, we mentioned the high-low tournament. That started today. Um, this evening, as we're doing the show here, just kicking off is a uh, $130 no-limit event. And the big uh, $250,000 guarantee, $350 buy-in. We'll have starting days uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the 29th of September, uh, two at the uh, two uh, opening sessions at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m., and then again on Friday and Saturday. So six total uh, opening days. Do you play any Hold'em tournaments at all? I don't. I
1: stopped playing Hold'em a very long time ago, and I just got behind the eight ball. And I mean, the learning curve on the game is just so extreme now. You've got <laughs> Ian O'Hara and all these guys coming <laughs> up that are just so good. It's just so difficult. They... They figure out what they should do, whether you know whether it works out or not. They just always know what the proper decision is based upon the math. And I'm not even close to knowing any of that stuff. So, uh,
0: a couple other things I wanted to mention: uh, the Global Poker League is back in action, and uh, I really wanted this to work out and be something very interesting. I think they've made a lot of mistakes, and there's really not a whole lot of interest in it. Yeah, anymore. I saw a
1: lot of advertising for that at the Rio. Uh, during the World Series?
0: Well, they didn't even bring their cube back, which was a big attraction, was the two guys in the glass booth and all that. And first of all, they were going to move it to a, a championship round over in Europe, and that proved to be too expensive for the money that they're making. And now they're not even really using the cube out there in the later part of the season as they head into their playoffs. But I was kind of looking forward to the, all the aspects of sports that... Um, Alexander Dreyfus was really trying to bring into the game and that's sportifying the game, having teams and and following certain players and and having your team going out and buying a t-shirt or a right. polo shirt. I was really looking forward to that stuff taking off. Now I don't even know if they'll ever sell the merchandise if it will even make it past year 1.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Probably that, I guess doesn't look that way.
0: I think Aaron Paul of Breaking Bad uh, was uh, played and that was the only that's the only real tournament that I watched this year. Uh, He took on Fabrice Soulier uh, this summer, and he's going to be playing in one this week. So that might create a little bit of interest. He was selected by Maria Ho to be on the L.A. Sunset. So as far as the standings and looking at the teams and who's leading and everything, I was really looking forward to that, and now I could basically care less, I'm sorry to say. Right. That is pretty cool, though, to have like a fantasy draft and all those things with people. It was. And uh, the unfortunate thing was the draft was uh, on Twitch, and Jason Mercier was there, and and uh, there was commentary by Negrano and Helmuth, and I was really looking forward to that, and it was such an interesting thing, and I got Joe turned on to it, and then they didn't follow it up. Nothing happened for like a month. I mean, here was your big breakout, and they didn't follow it up with anything because they really weren't prepared to get the league started. So they're working behind the scenes. Meanwhile, there's no word out there in the public, so definitely some mistakes. I'm not sure if uh, they'll be able to survive it. Yeah, let's have to wait and see. One of the other things I want to mention to you is there's been some talk lately uh, with uh, Chris Moneymaker nominated for the Hall of Fame, and a lot of people feel he he's not really deserving because he's really not that great a player and this and that. Uh, but he has been a great uh, ambassador, ambassador for the game. yeah, yeah And he's really done a terrific job. And maybe on the basis of that would deserve some sort of consideration. Uh, he's been outspoken lately on the thing that happens where young professionals, as they get better, Tap the constantly tap the aquarium, which is basically cajoling fish at uh, bad mistakes that they made and driving people out of the game, which is not uh, something that I really enjoy. Yeah, and educating as well. I mean, it's just it's it's the part of the game that
1: you just have to be able to to lose. I mean, you're not going to win every time you go out there, and when you lose, you just gotta shrug it off and go on to the next tournament or the next hand, whatever it is, in cash because when you when you when you do this and you argue you're just educating
0: and you're upsetting is it something that you think about at the table when you see people being mistreated young players when they make mistakes uh some of the more novice type players of the game those are the people you want at your game of course and it just so do you when people do that do you uh say something to
1: them not really i i just think that makes it worse yeah uh, it's so kind of productive to to educate and do these things you know, people, A lot of people, they go and play for fun. And if they're going out there for fun and they're willing to lose their money and spend their money in, in, in these games, allow them to do that. Don't berate them and belittle them by saying what they should have done to right. educate them. Right. I mean, that's just... It never made any sense to me. I'm sure I've been victim of it at some point in my life of doing it, but it's definitely not something I do anymore. Speaking of educating,
0: I do want to touch upon the Omaha 8. I do want to touch on starting hands uh, okay let's just talk about that for a minute i mean obviously we'll have you on again and and i always say that i want to get into this big discussion uh probably better off for your long term that we don't get into too much of your plans and your thoughts of of what to play but let me let me just ask you i've been playing a lot lately uh and i like omaha Low. i play on uh, different sites and uh, free sites you know so uh you know That probably allows me to play differently than maybe I should as really learning the game and playing the right way. Uh, But starting hands uh, for Omaha high-low. You know, you see a lot of people out there, if they get ace-deuce in their hand, they immediately they're raising and all kinds of things. That's probably not the right way to go. Uh, Not always, because
1: if every time you raise pre-flop and you have ace-deuce, then (laughs) people are going to be able to pick up on that. Uh, it's nice to mix it up sometimes. Uh, I think two pair in your hands sometimes can be deceiving. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do just to mix it up so that you're not going to get put on a specific range of hands that you're raising with.
0: I mean, if you get four of the same suit, uh, that all of a sudden makes it tough to know that there's flushes going to be out there. Uh, I think a lot of people put a lot of uh, credit into uh, flopping a set, which doesn't hold up all that much in in, uh, in Omaha. Yeah,
1: it usually doesn't. It, it's it's tough. Uh, but the thing about it is that if you can get it in with the top set, and you're going up against two pair or a smaller set, obviously you're going to hold up at that point. And that's the situation that you're looking to get yourself involved in.
0: If I'm playing on a free site, I want to see a lot of flops. I want to have fun. I don't want to be constantly folding. But when you're in a big cash game, do you? Uh, what percentage of the time are you folding before the flop? Uh, a lot. A lot? Over half? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Because
1: the thing is, is that if you think about it, if you're going to get four random cards, what are the odds that 50% of the time it's going to be a hand that's playable? It's highly unlikely that that's the case. I would say it's probably closer to 25%.
0: So if you have, uh, you know... Th- you have an ace of hearts and and you get another heart in your hand that's a that's a nice starting hand Yeah, of course uh, getting a pair and and flopping a set is still pretty good because you know the board can pair and you can get a full house right. and you can get rid of all those flushes high and straights out there uh sometimes sometimes
1: ever. Yeah, it depends on the game <laughs> uh, if the game's good you won't be but um the thing about it is you want to have other draws as well so if you have a set you want to maybe have a low draw uh just it really just depends uh being able to knock, to, like you said, take people out of the hand as well is obviously a good idea.
0: But people in this game seem to want to stick around. You know, They want to see flops too. Uh, no matter what you get as a starting hand, you can you can make that a straight or a flush. Of course. There's no four cards that you can get other than
1: trips or quads that you can't play to make a winning hand in Omaha high-low, which makes it very confusing to me to why this hasn't taken off. And we, we discussed this in the beginning. That PLO is the second game now, and it's really taken off. Uh, why isn't high-low? I mean, you've got way more opportunities to make hands. You have way more opportunities to get at least half of the pot. This is a game that should be attracting more people, and I'm very surprised that it hasn't taken off more.
0: Is trips an obvious fold automatically?
1: Not with aces, or if you have any wheel card, ace to five with... With with, that. With, like, a suited ace. Ace three, three, three with ace three of hearts might might be playable, uh... I, I probably would, because blockers are important in PLO. When you have four cards in your hand and and you end up having some blockers,
0: you can... Blockers, explain that.
1: Uh, blockers, so let's say the board has, uh, for high-low, for example, um, ace, deuce, four, five on it, or so, something of, of that nature, and you have three threes in your hand... <laughs> it's going to be really difficult for somebody else to have a wheel okay uh, and things like that those are called blockers so whatever makes the best possible hand if you have them in your hand they're called blockers so even though you don't have it somebody else will think you have it because <laughs> you you have those cards in your hand just not with the cards that actually make the hand
0: how about if you're in your in your four cards uh, hand you have deuce four and the flop comes and there's an ace three out on the board uh, you know, I think a lot of times I'll just stick around knowing that I have a really good shot at the low hand. You don't always get the low hand, and there may be not, not be a low hand, as it turns out. Right. But is that something that you should continue to play uh, and push for? Or it's, should you only play hands where you definitely can, can scoop? Well, in that regard, you can scoop with a 5. Right. Because you can You've make a, a wheel. And a, and a if it's hand.
1: like an Ace, if it's an Ace six ten board, and you have two, three, that might be something you want to shy away from because you're drawing a half the pot at that point. Uh, But for the most part, it's really player dependent because there are times where you can call with the low draw, make the low, and then bet it when you get checked to, and then it makes the person that has two pairs, make a decision. And things like that, where they might have bet with a pair of aces on, on that on that flop, for example, and then you get them to fold.
0: Do you have a certain range of hands that you're automatically going to play no matter what, or does it depend on how the game is going? I mean, you have to obviously mix things up, you have to think on the fly, and all that sort of thing, just like any other game. But when you get certain hands, are you automatically going to play them no matter what?
1: Yeah. Uh, like eight, what? Uh, aces. <laughs> uh, hand with aces in it. Always. How about queens? uh queens not so much kings yeah yeah uh queens are are a little tough in high low obviously in high you're gonna you're gonna want to see a flop but in high low not so much yeah kings for sure aces ace deuce uh ace three suited uh things like that uh you definitely want to at least see a flop maybe not raising uh but pre-flop but definitely want to see a flop
0: when you uh, you say you do fold a lot of hands pre flop and and a lot of times the, the flop the the board will come out right. the flop will come out and you'll go oh man
1: yeah why of course I, why did
0: I get out? Yeah. Now, does that change the way you play as well
1: uh, a little bit I think hands that would that that would come up on are more high hands so like a king queen ten seven where maybe uh, that's a hand that I would definitely want to see a flop with but if it gets raised and re raised before the flop that's a hand where it's I'm probably going to let it go and then I get upset when I would have flopped a big hand and things like that because when people are raising before the flop in the game, they usually have aces or ace-deuce. You get a high hand like a king-queen-ten-seven, for example, uh, where you can hit two pair and then obviously be ahead of the aces and things like that.
0: Okay. Uh, it, it's You really can't, you know, you just have to play and you have to react and you have to do things. You can't really say that things fall into a certain category, can you?
1: Not really, and it just depends, because uh, if you're at a table where everyone's being very timid, playing close to the vest, you want to play a, a more hands, and you want to be raising more if everybody is just going crazy and throwing chips around, in that regard, you'd want to tighten up and play closer to the vest. So you really just have to play the table, and, and find find the games where where you're going to be a favorite, because like i said early on yeah you, know, you could be an 8 playing against 9s i'd much rather be a 4 playing against 2s mm-hmm. and and that's really i think the most important thing
0: do you think you have control of your game where y- you'll fold uh, you have no problem folding uh on a turn on the river uh knowing that uh you know you, you probably shouldn't stick around for that last card to to, to it's tough pull out. i mean that's <laughs> That's tough. It, it because really because there's a lot of people out there. They're waiting for that last bomb on the river. Yeah, and the
1: thing is, is that you're playing. For me, playing cash games now, it's like if I lose and I can rebuy. You play in a tournament, you're more likely to fold because right. the chips in that regard, it's more important the chips you're losing rather than the chips you're gaining. You know, if you were to make X amount rather than lose X amount, you're obviously not going to want to lose more than you're going to want to win. Right. In cash, it's more like okay, I'm going for it. I'm going to gamble. And if I lose, then I'll just rebuy.
0: Uh Obviously, just scratching the surface and uh, so much we can talk about. But uh, uh, this summer, you played in three events, right, out there? Uh, or did you play in more than that?
1: Yeah, I played a little bit more. Uh, they had at the Venetian, uh, they copied the um, the WSOP with the three-game mix, where they did uh, Omaha High Low, Big O, uh, I'm sorry, Pot Limit High Low, Big O, and Limit 8 or better. Okay. Uh, that I went pretty deep in. uh can't remember if I cashed in that one, but there was one you, at the. You
0: cashed in a bracelet event, I know.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe it was that one. Uh, and then, at the Venetian, they had a uh, the Deep Strike ex, uh, Deep Stacks Extravaganza. Uh, they had a three game mix, but rather than limit eight or better, they added PLO, oh. and I really enjoyed that game. I final tabled. Uh, I finished seventh. Uh, forget how much the cash was for, but it was it was a nice chunk of change. And that one was a really fun tournament because people were just like going crazy. I think they maybe knew one game at most, and you really could exploit.
0: I think there was one tournament you didn't exactly bubble it, but I think it was like maybe the last hand or two right before the dinner break, and and you went out.
1: That yeah. Was following that one. Yeah, I had a pretty rough summer. It really got me to the point where I don't want to play tournaments anymore.
0: Really? I, it's Just just because it's it's such a
1: grind. I mean, you sit there, you play for ten, twelve hours, sometimes even more. And then you're not even making any money at all if you bubble or even come close. When you make day two, I think I made day two in the three tournaments that I played, and I don't know that I even cashed, uh, at the WSOP at least. The Venetian was the one-day tournament, so I... Was a little bit better for me.
0: Well, fun as usual. Uh, always when Mark is on the show, my numbers go way up because uh, he has so many friends out there in the business and uh, a couple of tweets from Mark and uh, helps our audience. So I, <laughs> I love having you on selfishly for that, but always a fun conversation. And I know that how much you respect Joe and like uh, talking to him. So next time you come on, we'll make sure that Joe is here.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, Mark Perlman uh, joining me tonight. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, that's going to do it for our show this evening. Uh, we will catch you next time. We're working on a few guests for the fall here. Of course, we're winding uh, down to the November 9. We'll have a look at some of those players as well over the next few weeks. And we'll come up with plenty of things to talk about. There's always something to talk about in this game. There's no question about that. Uh, Mark, thank you again for making the trip. Uh, Geo, thank you so much for doing a great job, as usual, uh, on the technical aspects on our show, getting us on the air. And uh, my name is Big Dave Lemon. I hope you'll join us again for another show. Quite soon, you can always pick us up on iTunes or on the PokerFuse podcast page. We have a regular spot on Hold'em Radio Network. Or you can just uh, go to our website, PokerActionLine.com, or pick us up on iTunes. Lots of places to get the show, and we hope you'll do so as we head into the fall. Thanks for being with us. We'll catch you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.